Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. Again, that's give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. And yeah, you can really uh, help these kids if that's what you're into. Support the youths. Shut up. That's, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Okay. Uh, I don't need you Enjoy that episode. I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm Raven. And I'm Campbell. And welcome to Boozicals once again. The podcast where we review, critique, really, you know, fan about a musical, drink a lot, and then attempt to do the musical justice by our drunk ramblings and playing. And we never really do it no, justice, but we try our best. And that's, it's A for effort. That's all that counts. That's all that matters. You would say that. Okay. Um, before we get into our musical for this week that you picked, Campbell, what music have you been listening to this week? Well, Raven, um, do you know what came out yesterday? You know that In I the don't. music world? Yeah. Well, Lady Gaga's uh, newest album came out, mm-hmm. so I've just been listening to that. I'm going to be real honest. I don't really listen to Lady Gaga. Like, yeah, I, that's fine. I know a few of her songs, and I like her as an artist, but I've never, like, listened to her music. That's fine. What have you been listening to? So I actually... Do you remember that episode of Scrubs, uh, my musical, where the lady was hearing music the entire... I don't know why I'm asking. Of course you remember it. I um, remember every episode of Scrubs ever, Raven. <laughs> this is um, to the point where if... I don't know, one of my roommate's friends brings up, like, a quote. I will say the next, like, five lines. Unprompted and unasked. You have which means a the problem. Same thing. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so my musical. Yeah, that's the episode. Yeah, so this, this past uh, week, I've kind of just been listening to the soundtrack from that episode on repeat because it's great. Specifically, Guy Love, which I maintain is the best song from that entire episode. That's pretty cool. I haven't seen that episode in a long time. Yeah. I also, 
um, have been going through the insanely frustrating thing that happens to all people who enjoy classical music um, when you forget the name of a piece and there's no way to Shut find up. it because there Shut are your no mouth. lyrics. Shut up. You can't go to Google. It's like, it went like, ba-ba, ba-ba, ba-ba. But that was like the third clarinet part. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's it's the worst. And so like, I just have it, I just had it stuck in my head. And I, I, I think eventually I might get it because it's, it's an ensemble piece. So it's not like a major, like orchestral piece where like I only know one part of it you know what I mean I think yeah. I'll I think I'll find it eventually but it's been it's been running in my that's brain so, for a couple that's days that's so frustrating I hate that so much yeah what why do you do this you can speaking be, of which should I talk about what we're drinking this week and what we're watching absolutely <laughs> okay so this week my choice again we watch Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. The 2007 movie, not the original Broadway. Yeah, the adaptation by Tim Burton. Yeah, um, which I picked because Raven's never seen it before. We don't even have to, though, we don't have to talk about why. Even though, in college, I invited her to hang out, my dear, dear friend. You don't have Raven. to do this. I will give all the details. But, listeners being Raven and Campbell, she came over to watch it. But instead, wanting her attention was elsewhere with maybe a roommate of mine. And that's what I'll say on that. So this is the first time she's seen it. And, I hate you. Uh, she, Raven, did you like it? I loved literally every second of it. Okay, cool. So good job, Campbell. Um, and so what we're drinking this week, it's a drink called uh, Shave and a Haircut. And it's like one part spiced rum, two parts cola, and then four parts stout, which seemed weird, but it was, a, I don't know, I thought the name of the cocktail was fitting for Sweeney Todd, and I actually like it a lot. Yeah. So Sweeney Todd takes place in London, and around the like late 1700s, like 1765, and it's worth noting that this time in, is during the Victorian era. And it's very famously known for the Industrial Revolution. Um, so this is really important because this time features a very large poverty gap. Which influences the entire plot feelings of all the characters. Absolutely. Um, it's really like more than half the population relied on charity for income. A lot of workers um, in remote parts of the country moved to work in the factories that like started showing up. Um, a lot of cities were not prepared for that. There was no really supportive infrastructure. Um, a lot of infant deaths, crime, illegal acts. Um, but it was really these like places were filled with the poor and completely run by the rich. Um, the social classes is just huge, huge, huge yeah. um, disparity during this time, which is very much seen um, in this musical. Yeah, I think that's definitely much, or I think that's definitely played on a lot um, in the film. I assume also in the original musical, which I have not seen, um, but just like the the basic like main character list um, that alone really kind of like shows like plays on that socioeconomic classism and and how that affected the kind of culture and the scene of the day yeah like the the judge 
his word is like actually it's law yeah and so he definitely always takes advantage of that um from and like suppresses like the working class yeah okay so let's get into a little bit um get into it i hate you <laughs> why <laughs> that that was even like that's not normal campbell being annoying things i was just like yeah let's do it and then you're like i could do it without you as a person anyway dispute that <laughs> nah um all right okay starting off title sequence mm-hmm. beautiful off the bat the orchestration is just amazing like it's mm-hmm. um it's really it's obviously meant to be like very ominous and kind of like suspenseful and thriller-esque um yeah but it, it like it really gets like actually got my heart racing like while i was watching it and i kind of like the that style of following cinematography where you're like traveling along a certain path or um, kind of like, like those uh, amusement park rides that are like with the 3D glasses. And yes. You're like on one track and they just do a bunch of stuff to you. Yeah, which they, which they also do in the opening scene. Um, not opening scene, I suppose. But when opening Todd credits. is like walking through London. When he's oh, going to London. Oh, yeah, like yeah. they also kind of play on that again there. Um, During Epiphany? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I didn't like but i guess also it was a good addition how like the ground meat as it was coming out of the grinder looked kind of like like writhing worms mm-hmm. did not enjoy that but i <laughs> weird <laughs> <laughs> but i do think it was it was it was really cool the way they did it um, yeah yeah okay so let's just start off um first song uh no place like london um we see two characters Anthony and Sweeney Todd, something that they do throughout the movie a lot. The more hopeful, um, optimistic characters when they start singing, um, there's a lot of like major tones. Yeah. And then people like Sweeney Todd comes in and then it strict goes to like a minor key, like play of the same song. Which I think is really great because I think that's, that's a very simple way to give a piece of music a completely different feel, completely different emotion to it. And it's something that obviously composers play off of a lot. Um, but I always find that interesting how the second you put something in a minor key, it automatically has a more like downcast, depressive, ominous, almost um, feel to it. And I really like that they played on that a lot. Yeah. What do you think of the characters when we first meet them? Anthony and... Uh... Sweeney. I really like them. I have, um, I don't think I've ever not liked a character that Johnny Depp has played mm-hmm. just because he is amazing. Um, I, I, I really like I really liked the introduction of the characters, um, mm-hmm. and how you kind of immediately get a feel for their types of like personalities and their, their yeah. kind of nature and like straight away, like just by his lyrics. And again, like the, kind of like musical introduction of Sweeney Todd, you automatically understand like this is not a happy man. <laughs> this is no. <laughs> um what well, which makes sense. We find out yes. next song. Yes. Where he, because he got like kind of Monte Cristoed. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I like the way they were introduced and I liked um 
how they're they're almost introduced almost as foils to each other they i was literally about <laughs> to say they are foils of one another yeah maven yeah, I, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Good use I, of a literary device. <laughs> Thank you. Look at you. My AP language teacher from eleventh grade would be so very proud. Uh, same with mine. Besides, like the cussing and the drinking, but she's pretty cool. Well, you I miss know, her. yeah, that's that's fine. But I I really like with with Sweeney Todd like when he first starts singing his line, and he says like, "There's no place like London." You can like feel the malice in his expression mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I think that's one of the things i really like throughout the movie is that whenever he sings or really like his character obviously johnny depp is an amazing actor and is very good at kind of like evoking really any sort of emotion or expression for his characters but i think the way he plays Sweeney todd in combination with his singing is is really great um because you always feel this kind of like murderous rage from him again as you find out is quite justified but then when he sings you still hear it but there's also like a deeper sadness to it yeah yeah and then we have anthony last name funny enough hope (laughs) (laughs) lol (laughs) who's like in london and he's like oh there's no place like it he's a young sailor the world is his oyster He's not jaded by the horrible, horrible world that he lives in. And I think that's why the character Sweeney Todd kind of, um, you know, likes him, befriends him. Yeah. To an extent. Because it's, he's really like who he used to be. Yeah. And I I do think it's interesting when they um, introduce, like when they first show um, Anthony being interested in Joanna because... I think probably very intentionally it's kind of a playback to when Sweeney Todd himself or what was his name Benjamin Barker Benjamin Barker yes um when he was first falling in love with Lucy yeah yeah um good job knowing main characters (laughs) names you know what (laughs) for something you took notes on (laughs) continue i hate you um, but yeah like I, I think especially uh given that sweeney todd and anthony are kind of like foils to each other and um looking back when they give the flashback of uh what he was like with lucy in his i guess sort of previous life um when they start showing anthony falling for joanna i think it's really cool the way they show all of that hope and enchantment and just like so much optimism for the world and just like love will find a way you know and then you have Sweeney Todd's character just like sometimes it don't (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so then no place in like London and Sweeney Todd goes in there was a barber and his wife we get to see like his backstory um so we find out that he was wrongfully imprisoned um, because the judge, using his power, um, had the hots for his wife. Yeah, pretty much. And that, yeah. Which is just, like, so terrible. Like, of all the ways, there's so many ways Ju- to abuse... Judge Turpin, played by Alan Rickman. Yeah, like, of all the ways to abuse your power, that just... It, like, hurt my heart. To get some strange... <laughs> 
<laughs> why is that why? <laughs> like, come on. Uh, but yeah, and there's like the. It's just so. Did he even say what he like wrongfully accused him of to put him in jail? No. No. It didn't matter. Him and his, you know, little helper, uh, the Beetle, who was played by Peter Pettigrew, which again, Timothy Spall. Yes. Yeah. Snape and Wormtail at it again. Back at it again with the villainy. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah. So we see um, Benjamin Barker and his wife and their daughter Joanna, with her creepy ass Victorian doll. Oh um, yeah, but also like <laughs> but kind also, of all dolls from the Victorian era were creepy. Still, could do without it. Like I know this is supposed to be like horror like, but too much. Come on. So then, then he like goes to like his home, his old place. And, like, underneath it is uh, Mrs. Lovett's pie shop. Yeah. Which I... Okay, so... Helena Bonham Carter is amazing. That man, oh, man, is obvious. Man. So obvious doesn't even need to be said. Because um, this is a tough character. Oh, yeah. To play. Because, like, you, uh, I mean, the original... Um, Broadway actor for this role was Angela Lansbury, who we've all already praised mm-hmm. and will continue to praise. Because once um, again, the day we amazing. Die. Yeah, but man, she does such a good job. Yeah, Helen Bonham Carter like always plays. She plays every role fantastically. But again, similar to Johnny Depp, she does such a good role of playing like bad, like villainous characters, um, and. This scene uh, with Mrs. Lovett, where Helena Bonham Carter is doing her opening song, um, "The Worst Pies in the London," in which London. is so funny, it's so good. But like that was that was the moment. So what, like five minutes into it, that was the moment I was just like, I love this musical like deeply and inherently. It is amazing. Um, the comic relief for such like you know a dark movie is basically. I mean, it's, like, in most parts, it's seen as, like, indifference to, like, craziness. Mm-hmm. But I love it all the same. That's great. But also, one of the things it's I so really like about The Worst Pies in London, and a lot of Helena Bonham Carter, or Mrs. Lovitz, I guess, songs throughout the score are like this. It's very quick. Like, both in the speed Sporadic. and, like, the wit of the song. Um, yeah. It's, she has a lot of very, like, clever little lines and, like, um, kind of bits uh, in the mm-hmm. lyrics that both the lyrics of it and the physical quickness of the song kind of keep you on your toes. And one of the things I also really like, uh, which, like, or, it's it not just done... It sets a pace. Yeah, and it's not just done in her songs, but in also in some of Sweeney Todd's songs as well, a lot of the notes are kind of, like, on offbeats. Um, yeah. But in a way that kind of, like... They're ahead of the beat. Yeah. It gives the song a kind of like anticipation to it. Yeah. Which I think and works really well with the theme of the movie. 100%. Um, this is one of the musicals I definitely see, I definitely felt the music having an even more drastic impact of like emotional state. Absolutely. Like when they wanted you nervous, like you heard those strings. 
which is also very, uh, you know, seen a lot in horror movies. You know, like Psycho. Yeah. And the shower, the e e e. I actually said that that that, uh, uh, one part of the song during the opening title sequence had like a kind of psycho esque part, like that that shrieking part to it. Yeah. But also, kind of like based on that, uh, one of the things I found interesting when I was doing a little bit like background research into it is that um, Burton actually kind of did that on purpose. Like he wanted to avoid the sort of like trope of a lot of musicals where you have like patches of dialogue and then just like random outbursts into song and he actually said you know like each of the characters are like very repressed and keep a lot of their (laughs) emotions inside um and and so the music is a way of letting them express their feelings and so he wanted to be more of like the music is just part of it it's not okay we're talking okay now we're singing you know and yeah. I and I really like I really like that style of musical where it's not just like characters bursting out in the song and dance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Worst Pies in London. So funny. Really, uh this song does a really good job of setting like how we said before, um what kind of state London is in right now. Okay. Also hmm? Oh, oh! I've been drinking. Hold on, this is gonna be painful. Wait, how much? How much have you been pouring? Cause like for mine, I only poured like half a, like half a pint. Like my finished, my finished glass or drink was only half. This is how big my shot glass I've been using. Oh, same. Okay, yeah, I've been using the same shot. Okay, so you're just drinking slow then. Yeah, I'm just distracted. I just really like you. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Okay. Drink two. Okay, so yeah, the worst pies in London. Um, this song does a really good job um, giving us, you know, like world building. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we we hear the struggles of a lot of the working class um, through the struggles that Mrs. Lovett has, um, like getting meat. <laughs> yeah, because pussy cats are quick, so that's horrifying. <laughs> but listeners, it gets more horrifying. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then also, like... I burped off the microphone. Are you proud of me, Raven? Thank you. Yes, I noticed. Yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, also just, That's like, general discussion of living conditions in the neighborhood. Um, like, when she's talking about like, all the bugs and um, the kind of, like, discussion of, like, the plague and all of that stuff. Um, like, just, like, general talk of, yeah, times are tough. Things are not going well. And, and everyone is struggling as a result. Everyone's struggling, and she she honestly she has a pretty good attitude about. It. She was like, "Hey, take a bite. Tastes like shit, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's uh, a, here's which a is drink, not. <laughs> they, yeah, this is a horrible business practice. Oh yes, absolutely. She is really not trying to push her product, and that's fine. But yeah, it was really. I don't know. Uh, Mrs. Lovett as a character is a really good combination of. Dark strategist meets comic relief. Yes. And just... Overall, honestly, such a well-written character and such a well-portrayed character. Yeah. Um, Also, one of the things I liked about this song and really every one of Mrs. Lovett's songs is that all of her songs are very... Simultaneously, so like all of them have a lot of the same kind of like feel and 
similar sort of beats to them um but they're all simultaneously like very distinct from each other like they're all like very like unique it reminds in the me presentation of like an evolution or like a next step for like peter and the wolf you know what i mean by that yeah i can see that. so like in peter and the wolf like each character in the story is played by a different instrument so it's mm-hmm. all very distinct and whenever you hear like that melody or whatever you know like that character's interacting talking whatever yeah so similar thing for this yeah well like each player like all of the songs are definitely their own song but each character definitely has their own themes mm-hmm. their own kind of like um keys and beats and rhythms and um you you know like which i mean obviously you know which character is singing but you know which character is singing just by the feel of the music like you know which character is about to start singing yes yeah um yeah so then um swing todd goes up to his old barbershop and um wait no before that they're talking giving him some gin because the meat pies uh so bad <laughs> quotes on the meat um we're so bad and so she starts talking about uh should we go into the song poor thing so she says yeah. what happens to the people that used to live there Which and is... it's <sighs> i literally okay so i literally have in my notes masquerade ball yo what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah it's like she just gets like drugged, raped in front just, of everyone. People are laughing in the middle of the party. Like, yeah, I just, I can't. Like that's some dark storytelling. Yeah. So, in the story, um, Lucy, the wife, is urged to go to this masquerade ball. Gets drugs, drunk. The so judge, is, yeah. So rapes this is her. after um, Benjamin Barker is like sent away to prison, yeah. and Lucy's alone by herself in the house. Yeah. The judge has been um, trying to like win her affections because obviously the reason he sent Barker away in the first place was because he wanted the wife. Um, so he's been trying to like get her to like him, all this other stuff, and she hasn't really been feeling him. Um, so they convince her to come to this masquerade ball, supposedly because he was going to like apologize or something for his advances. Um, and oh, yeah, that's what, that's what, uh, um, that's what the, the Beatles. Yeah. And the complete opposite of that happens. And yeah, so she goes through all of that. Um, and then as Mrs. Lovett tells the story, um, she supposedly poisoned herself afterwards with arsenic mm-hmm. um, and is now dead, which... Um, she never said that. Didn't she say... She said Lucy is gone. That is true. She never says she's dead. I'm pretty sure. She definitely says she poisoned herself, though. Which, yeah, the, which she the did. Clear, and then the she went crazy because of it. Spoiler. Yeah. She went crazy because of it. <laughs> is it... Is it okay to say spoiler after you say you spoil something is that how that works the movie is 13 years old and the story is much older 41 years old so i i think it's fine yeah okay so um sweeney todd has a reaction he's like no 
And then Mrs. Lovett is like, calm down. Uh, He's like, like no. It's <laughs> a, a bit more emotional than that, but yes. Not an actor, obviously. <laughs> um, and then Mrs. Lovett is like, I knew it was you. It was like, then why are you trying to like just deeply upset him? <laughs> right. You could just said like, okay, and whatever. Um, and then finds out that Joanna was taken in by the judge to be yes. raised. And so then Which they go up to the old so barbershop. So very problematic. We're gonna have a different so conversation about that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's not even the problematic part. Uh, goes to like above the shop. That was his barbershop. See the creepy doll again. Don't know why yeah. that was saved. Um, <laughs> But Mrs. Lovett saved his knives from when he was a mm-hmm. barber. And she was like, I could have sold him, you know. And I was like, you know what? You're crazy. But that's true. That's true. Things are not going great for you. And then, and then we get into the song, My Friends. Yeah. Which I love so much because... It's like ever I'm like holding one of my family's dogs. This is like what I sing to them. So for me, the thing I found interesting is that like... Or if I get, like, a sandwich. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, like, a good sandwich. Like a panini. Oh, my gosh. A good anyway, veggie panini. So, the interesting thing was, so while I was watching, um, while I was watching this scene, um, my, the, the friend that I was watching it with asked, like, oh, hey, like, have you ever felt this sort of attachment to, like, any of your belongings? And... It's, Your graphing calculator. I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would say like my TI eighty four silver uh, silver edition. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I did kind of feel this way about my violin when I was younger. Aww. Like I, I felt like a true attachment to my violin. Uh, like I still do, but predominantly when I was a kid and I was playing regularly, um, I actually. <laughs> I actually would always do this thing where if I was holding my violin and I accidentally bumped it against something, like hit it on something, I would literally apologize to my violin. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I could see you being like that. Like, at last, my arm is complete again. But, like, with your bow. Wahaha. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's showing him the upper room where... Um, that ends up becoming his barber shop, and he's singing his ballad to his razors, which I think is just—it's honestly a really moving song. And I—I I really like the way, both in his acting and in the lyrics and the music of the piece, you can, like, the emotion and the attachment that he feels to these razors is palpable. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so interesting the way, like, even just the way he sings My Friends, there is a distinct attachment and, like, a true love there for the Well, reason. I also think it's, and, it's, it's the connection to who he once was and the life he had. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way the lyrics and the music go about showing that and bringing that emotion forth... Um, is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But then we get, you know, understand motives and things like that. Um, it was like, the knives are silver. <laughs> Ms. Lovett's like, silver is good enough for me. Lol. Keeping your pants. <laughs> um, but how I the knives really like the will line... be dripping precious rubies. 
that was literally the thing I was about yeah. to say. I, I just, I love that imagery of it and like the clear intent, like, you know, from the beginning, like, yes, he wants revenge and he's going to kill yeah. some people. So that's a pretty good scene. And then he's like, get out, go take a shower or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, my arm's complete again. And then we go back to Anthony, who's walking down the street, um, saying, do I did, did he die, did he do? And then we see Joanna in a window. And it's um, mm-hmm. what I think is the most impressive vocal display of this whole musical. Yeah. Yes. It's like ridiculous. Like, girl can what sing. What is required to be the part of Joanna. Um, and she does such a... Such a great job. Um, Jane Wisner, I believe her name. Um, so impressive. Yeah. Every every time she went high, like, it was like every other note. I was just like, how is she singing this? Uh, she was 19 at the time of filming. Yeah. Wow. And, like, it was funny because, like, she auditioned and they were like, oh, they, like, or she, people were thinking about it for the role and, like, the producers or, I don't know, the casting people, it's like, oh, she's 19. That may be too old to play who the character of Joanna is supposed to be, like, 15. But then she, mm-hmm. like, sent a picture of her without makeup on. And they're like, oh, no, never mind. It's fine. Um, and <laughs> she, good. like, is, like, quoted saying, it was like, yeah, I mean, people tell me I look too young all the time. This time it worked out for me. <laughs> Something like that. That's yeah. fair. But so impressive. And it's this song, again, in the very beginning parts very peter and the wolf very you know birds flutes motif yes um and like the theme of the song is very like i know why the cage bird sings yes well because she's literally talking about caged birds yes. um, and singing if like if i cannot fly and singing <laughs> let me sing yes and i love um one of the things that i actually find very impressive about her voice is that a lot of people, especially for the notes that she's capable of reaching, a lot of people, um, like I, f- I find that in a lot of cases it's hard for sopranos, especially sopranos that go that high, to have powerful voices because it's just it's just hard to to put power behind that high it's of a note. It's so impressive. Um, but her voice has substance and body to it, even at its highest yeah. point. And that was just so amazing to me. Because, like, that's not something you see in a lot of singers, unless they're, like, true, true professionals, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. I think we can talk, like, another 30 minutes about how impressed we are by this woman. Crazy crazy so anyway the song uh green finch and linnet bird loved it really that's one of my favorite songs in this musical and basically you know her attitude of being you know caged and like her having like no escape from you know the life that she's now in because of the judge yeah and learning like i have to I have to adapt. I have to learn how to kind of make my situation palatable yeah. for me. Like I have to be, I have to be 
able to kind of find the joy where I can and find my own yeah. voice and sing, you know. And then we get introduced to another main character, the beggar woman is how we'll call her because that's her character name. And we hear alms, alms for a miserable woman, um, which that kind of melody we hear throughout any kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I marked it in one place when, like, you know, the judge and the beetle are, like, you know, abusing someone. We hear that, like, kind of melody again. I don't know if there's, like, other places. I'm sure there are. But Anthony comes and asks the beggar woman... It's like, yo, who's that? And says it's Joanna, um, the young ward of Judge Turpin. And then we get into the song, Joanna, which I find irritating. <laughs> I really? hate this song. I, Why? I don't know. I like... He's... It's, I don't know what it is, but I hate listening to it. I, okay, so I actually really liked Joanna. One, because I feel like it tells you a little bit more about Anthony's character. But also, I found the melody um, and the overall, like, musicality of Joanna to kind of be reminiscent of the portion of No Place Like London where he's talking about Lucy. Mm -hmm. Um, and oh, there's so much the overlap lilting, of the musicality of all. Yeah, like songs. the just like the lilting quality of Joanna, I found to kind of be like purposely reminiscent of that, and I because of that, like I liked how it contributes to the juxtaposition of where Sweeney Todd is currently and all that he's dealt with and what his past yeah. is with Judge Turpin and, and Lucy and all of that, and now you see this new young couple. It's it's Possibly. definitely one of the most um with like how the strings are specifically mm-hmm. it's very Romeo and Juliet. It's very oh, yes. um romantically legato played. Mhm. Which yeah. is and you know very good from a storytelling standpoint and musicality standpoint. There's just something about this song, man. I I don't get it. But I understand the importance of it. Um, like, I feel you. I'll, like, save you from this. Like, I'm empathetic mm-hmm. to your situation. I'm hearing you, caged bird. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But yes, okay. Spyhole into Joanna's room. Such a creep. And the character's supposed to be, like, 15. Oh, yes. Like, I know this is 1765. But don't be gross. But like, okay, so yes, yes, it's 1765, but also she's his ward, which like, granted, it was not necessarily entirely uncommon for a ward to sometimes become like a wife, but it it was also just like, a ward more often was viewed as like your child. Like, it was like, you have taken this child, because usually they were a child, like they're significantly younger than you. You've taken this child in, like, this young girl is more or less your daughter to the rest of the world. In the eyes of the rest of the world, she is your daughter. And it's like, this is so creepy. But also, um, like, literally my notes, 
because when he was talking to Anthony after he caught him after the oh, whole yeah. Joanna song, I love this next scene. I have like a lot of notes about it. Oh my gosh! And he's like going through like these are all the books I have. Blah blah. Like I was just like, so you're a massive. It's perf. literally a. It's literally a sex library. Literally, because he's like uh, the judge to Anthony was like, oh, you're a sailor, so you're well tra- traveled. He was like, so you fuck right? Yeah. Are you good? You think you're good? You're nothing. It's like <laughs> it's like I like mo- look upon like my. A, the- literature collection (laughs) yeah of all my conquests um and it's like a victorian version of guys that like tape you know themselves having sex with women and having a collection yes it's the same thing same sex thing and it's it's like you know what anthony you ain't shit here are my fuck logs (laughs) in my sex library get the fuck out and it's just, I, just so creepy. Which means, like, we had already established, like, yes, this dude is a creep. And he's a terrible person. But it was just, like, there was something about taking it to the next generation that was just, like, bro, seriously? <laughs> oh, I also love, like, the criminal offense. He was, like, he was, what, uh, the, the terminology was, you gandered at her. <laughs> <laughs> it was like say, I bet it you gandered you did it you gandered and I, like have it like I know like that's a proper use of that word but it was just so funny to me it was it was very comical it was like oh I was like you're like arrested in prison it's like what are you in here for gandering <laughs> so, so like Peter Pettigrew takes him out back beats him roughs him up a bit with his awesome cane oh that was an amazing cane which like i feel like if you're going to be a villain you have to have a good cane yeah afterwards anthony was they're like hey get out of here nothing's ever gonna happen with you beat him up during which the alms alms for a miserable woman melody plays Mm -hmm. um which gives people a hint of um, who the beggar woman is. Yeah. It's like the consequences of the judge and the Beatles' actions. This melody plays a few places. Um, and then Anthony was like, oh, bet. <laughs> and then we go into, like, Joanna again. Yeah. The song. Yeah. And, I, I again, like, just the way he's so optimistic and hopeful about, like, I still love her, and I'm going to overcome this for her, and then we're going to live happily ever after, we're going to run away together, and everything's going to be fine. And Sweet Toss character's just like, this ain't gonna work out for you, bro. Yeah. Um, but then, so after that whole scene, we move into the sort of like square market scene. Um, Where Mrs. Lovett is such a good strategizer yes she was like hey there's this italian guy who like flaunts his like i don't know barber ability here's an opportunity for us to show him up and get business yes for your ultimate plans of getting the people that you wronged you yeah and like the, the way honestly just just like an advertising and business the way they went about it was very clever Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so that gets us into, we see the character Tobias. Um, Tobias Rags, I think is his full name. I believe which is so. funny. Um, 
who is this like little like blonde kid with a lot of hair um, singing Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. So this um, foreign Italian man has this elixir that you can grow hair again. And it's very like uh, newsies, like extra, extra, read all about it kind of character advertisement. But at the same time, Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett are just complete trolls. Yeah. It's like, I think it's so funny. Their comments are so funny. It's like, you're, you're sure to love it. And then Ms. Lovett's like, flies will too. Yeah. Because it, like, it's ink and piss. And just and like the just... entire time, just like absolutely taking the piss out of, out of like the whole kid's song. And like, you can see the kid just like, what? No, it's good. Like I have to, I'm supposed to advertise it's like it. A, <laughs> it's like a horrible Shark Tank episode. <laughs> yeah. It's like if Twitter was on Shark Tank. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then, of course, Prelly himself comes out, who is Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. And so Sweeney Todd's like, I think this is just piss and ink. And I bet my priceless shaving tools mm-hmm. against just five pounds that I'm a better barber than you. And then Prelly's like, oh, of course, I accept your challenge. And then they, like, get stuff ready. And then, like, two random people are just like, oh, I need to shave. Here's my, <laughs> this is my chance. <laughs> and then and then they start singing. And then or, Beatles the judge. Yes, Beatles the judge. Because they also want to show to him how proficient Sweeney Todd is. So that he can blur- get the business of Beatle and the judge. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So we get to the song, The Contest. Mm-hmm. Poor Toby. Sharpening the knife, like, against his hand. Uh, yeah. And you can, like, see the blood and everything as like, I was cutting him. The um, physical movements emphasized by music is seen in, like, the worst pies in London. Like, mm-hmm. the smacking the dough and stuff. And, and like, when she's cutting that. with a knife. Yeah. Um, cheers. Oh. Cheers. I drink three. Woo. Okay. So, Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. Loved him. The the phrase, it was a the Pope, um, iconic. Oh, yeah. Also, I love um, how as he's singing and like bragging, doing all this stuff, Todd's He could have been working. He could have been actually shaving. And Todd's just going about his business, not saying a word. And then as he's holding that like one last note, uh, Beatles just like- The falsetto? Yeah. Beatles just like, Todd wins because, you know, he actually shaved the guy instead of I love this song. And it's very... Um, okay, so this happens a lot in this musical. But Sondheim's, like, consistent time signatures and tempos be damned. Oh, yes. In all of this. <laughs> but that's one of the things that makes Sondheim's music great, though. Yeah. Is that he kind of, like, pushes the boundaries there with, like, he doesn't... Like, no song just has, like... One time signature. No, because it's the incorporation of music and conversation. Yes. Which is... Conversations aren't at the same tempo. No. and But that's what makes his, like, his music so great. So, like, it, it honestly makes it feel a little more natural. And that's what I think kind of helps avoid, like, especially Tim Burton's attempt to, like, incorporate that sort of style into the film is what makes it not have those same sort of, like, musical tropes and... Um, 
cliches where like again like people just break down the song and dance because the music is just incorporated into conversation and so it feels kind yeah. of natural as you're listening to the movie and it's yeah. or listening to the music and it's kind of like you're watching it's like oh they are now singing but it's just it takes you a second to even realize that you are now in a song yeah yeah um so sweet and todd <laughs> and then we see um joanna and anthony again and joanna like sees him opens up the window finds a key throws it to him basically saying yes. free me take from me all away this. like i want to be free i no longer want to be a caged bird she's like take me away got a pocket got a pocket full of sunshine and <laughs> <laughs> it'd be so funny if the key didn't make it over there yeah and it just like landed in the Did courtyard that <laughs> Am I a bad person? Did you think that? You'd be like, oh, that would be yeah. hilarious. Or if, like, or I was actually thinking if when he went to, like, pick it up, Beetle just, like, came out of nowhere and started, like, beating him. And it's like, Crucio! <laughs> <laughs> oh, different movie. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, so then the judge seizes it. Doesn't matter. Then we get to Sweeney mm-hmm. and Mrs. Lovett. And the Beetle says, like, oh, you're such a good barber. I'll be there later this week. And then so Sweeney Todd's like super yeah. anxious and it's like, Wade's gonna be Wade's gonna come here and Ms. Like, Love is just down. saying in the chair is like they said by the end of the week, yeah, it's like, Tuesday. Calm it down. <laughs> calm down, my guy. Yeah. Um and then we get into the song Wait. Which is a, such a funny song to me. Cause it's just like really trying to get someone yeah. off the ledge. Like she was like, You're you're crazy. Let's think about other things. Flowers? Maybe daisies? <laughs> and specifically, like, this, like many other songs, this song is to, like, you know, rein in his murderous intent. But when Mrs. Lovett says, half the fun is to plan the plan, I felt that personally. You know when you ever, like, make plans mm-hmm. with people... And you're trying to figure out all the details. That is half the fun. Is like doing that. Especially especially if you're a strategist. Like Mrs. Lovett is. Because she's all about the details. Oh. She is such a strategist. And then. uh, Anthony comes Mm in. And is like. Oh yeah. There's this girl. I have to free her. Her name's Joanna. The judge is keeping her captive pretty much. And then those two characters are like in shock doesn't know what to say and then mrs lovett was like oh this is so romantic to like cut the tension so we then see pirelli and toby coming up to the barbershop and we find out that pirelli really is um it's basically mrs lovett's taking care of toby it's like here's a meat pie and it's like you can see the inside of it, and it's so moldy it's so gross. and disgusting. It's so gross. Um, but and he's then like was devouring like, it, which makes me... Oh, yeah, because he's incredibly starved. Yeah, which makes me just, like, so sad for him. And, like, man, Mrs. Lovett's and Toby's relationship, I'm like, this is the redeeming thing for you, yeah. Mrs. Lovett. And then she's like, fuck all that. But he... I'm trying to get that serial killer dick. <laughs> But you know what I actually find really interesting? Have you ever read Wuthering Heights? Yes. Okay, so one of the things 
I kind of like about Mrs. Lovett is that in a way she kind of reminds me of uh, Catherine Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights in the sense that like sim- yes. like similarly their only redeeming quality was their love for like they're both terrible people and their only redeeming quality really was their love for each other and I feel like Mrs. Lovett is a similar type of character where she is obviously a terrible person fully capable and willing but the, to like, the room murder. for empathy and maternal growth yes is like what redeems them like you can see it and like, the way she takes Toby to in like and just like cares for him like truly truly begins to like love him as a son and of course we all know how that ends but yeah. it's still just like the even the the room in her character like the ability for her to still have that empathy and that love and that compassion for another person it's just like oh wow you like aren't completely a psychopath yeah yeah so Pirelli's here now um and it's like for the first time like Sweeney Todd Benjamin Barker goes back to his same residence has the same occupation obviously looks the same Mm -hmm. and like no one recognizes or anything people have their own lives he says like how would you remember just a barber's face but Pirelli was like oh you're Benjamin Barker you don't remember me I like used to sweep hair here I know who you are I'm gonna get a cut of your profits I'm gonna tell everyone what's going on because also he was sentenced to life but for somehow he's not in prison yeah which like the friend that I was I was watching the only logical character is Signor Pirelli yeah like he's like the friend I was watching was just like wait a second did he just, like, escape from prison? Like, is that why he was, like, found in the... Because, like, he also says, like, during the opening scene, like, No Place in London, or No Place Like London, oh, like, if you hadn't come along, I would still be in the water or whatever. So, like, he... It's it very kind of... Count of Monte... It's Count of Monte Cristo. Isn't yeah. Alexander Dumas? Is that who wrote it? Alexandre Dumas. Dumas. Yes. Thank you for mm-hmm. correcting me. Um, but, like... People are going to recognize you, dude. It's not like... It's like, okay, so you have a Cruella DeVille haircut. <laughs> Truly Cruella DeVille. <laughs> you still got the same face. Like, it's surprising no one recognizes Although, you. But Prelly you does. you know Superman Clark Kent. Honestly. Okay. Anyway. So, Sweeney Todd realizes... He was like, oh, we're in trouble. So he takes a teapot and just bashes him. Um, and then it's the... Funniest part of the movie, I see. There's a bunch of thuds, thuds, silence, and then Mrs. Lovett like starts begging a lot of like pots <laughs> of pans and stuff. It's like so that Toby oh, doesn't know what's man, going on. <laughs> the work never ends. Um, and she like talks. So first time we hear about um, Mrs. Lovett's late husband Albert, mm-hmm. who's just, just like you know, love to eat. Yep. So then uh, Toby was like, "Oh no, Pirelli like has an appointment." I gotta go let him know, and Ms. Lovett does, is not quick to stop him. No. Nope. Goes up there, no one's there, casually pouring tea. It was like, oh yeah, he left. And then you see, like, his he's, like, still alive, his, like, fingers still moving. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. Yes. As a personal fan of horror movies and things like that. Um, and then Toby, we... Get some drunk off gin because the boy can hold his gin. Which is really concerning because he was talking about how, like, the reason he can is because they used to give it to them at, like, the, the workhouse at, or whatever. Yeah, um, because, like, you don't want to be awake at night with the stuff that goes on there. 
again, yeah. saying how horrible the working conditions are in the Industrial yeah. Revolution Which in London. Which also, very Oliver Twist. Very Oliver Twist. Yeah. Yes. Please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. But Prelly recognized Benjamin Barker because of the knives. Again, yes. not because of the face, but the knives. <laughs> Although I will say, though, like, honestly... Which I think is a credit, one, to Johnny Depp's acting, and also to the makeup artist for the film. The way he is presented as Sweeney Todd is truly wholly different from how he's presented as Benjamin Parker. To the point that, like... Demeanor means everything. Yes. To the point that, like, in the beginning, during No Place Like London, when he's doing the flashback to talk about, like, him and Lucy, I actually had to replay that scene because, like, when it first... When they first flashed to him and Lucy, I actually didn't even recognize it as him. I didn't realize at first. Like, I realized, obviously, by logical deduction, that he was Benjamin Barker. But in terms of actual physical appearance, I didn't recognize him at first as Benjamin Barker. Like, I had to, like, look at him closer and replay the scene to realize, oh, "Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, like, he truly does look very different. Acting! It is his craft. He's a patron of the stage, Raven. Is what he does. It's what he do. Oh my gosh. Yes. Theater! (laughs) Why are you like this? I don't know. Presumably there are people listening to this, in which case they should not have to deal with all of your antics. Like I do. I... It's fine. (laughs) I'm just I'm just who I am, Raven. Can't be nobody else. <laughs> that is very true. So Toby gets drunk off a lot of gin later on. Yep. Um I'm glad I'm glad Sweeney doesn't kill him. Um Oh, that would have been so sad. Yeah, that would have been so sad. But he did he, has thought about yeah. that a bunch. But then we go back to the like the courtroom. We're at the judge and the beetle, and the judge is like, you're a bad person, you're a menace to society, you will be hanged. And then we see it's, like, some child. Yes. Yeah. And then he, like, afterwards, he was like, yeah, so he, like, for sure did the crimes, and Beetle was like, everyone's guilty of something. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, definitely. And the beetle was like, wait, what are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and the judge is clearly talking about himself. Oh yeah, absolutely. But again, like I, I like that because that wasn't even necessarily like a full scene. It was kind of just like a little aside. But again, like it did so much to establish part of the character of the judge and and Beetle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that goes into the song "Ladies uh, and Their sens- uh, Sensitivities." Sensitivities or sensibilities? What's the song called? I think it's sensitivities. Okay, I love this song because it's very tiptoey. Yes. Um, like the judge was like, "Yeah, I." By the way, I said I was going to marry my ward Joanna, and she, for some reason, she was reluctant. <laughs> and so the beetle is just like, "Well, saying it's like, oh well, my lord, 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 <laughs> my lord, my lord, you." Don't look great, my lord. Uh, yeah. Because you... It's not you. <laughs> it's not you. Just like... Nothing wrong you with know you. What? 
I know a guy. My lord. My lord. My lord, my lord. Um, it was basically like, you need to clean up. Yes. Um, and so then he's like, I know a barber you can go to. And then before, right before that, I was like, okay, so eventually at some point, the judge will go to Sweeney Todd. So Mrs. Lovett comes up after uh, Tobias is completely drunk off his ass, mm-hmm. passed out on the gym. He's like, yo, when's Pirelli coming back? And he's like, oh, he's not. He's and dead. she's like, oh my, she's like, oh my God, you're crazy. This guy did nothing. What's wrong with you? And she like, as the only moment of clarity and logic in the entire mm-hmm. film. And it's like, what did you do? And then he was like, oh, he knew how, where I was, was, trying to blackmail me and was going to ruin all this. And then she was like, oh, that's that a different matter. I thought you'd lost your marbles. Yeah. I thought you just like, went oh. crazy, but that makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you. Oh, also, so, wait one second. Let me look at, let me actually um, remind myself of the Okay, so, lyrics. like, after Mrs. Lovett and him talks, it's like, oh, you're crazy and stuff like that. Then they see the judge and the beetle. And mm-hmm. then the judge comes up to get a shave. Yes. And then we get into the song Pretty Woman. Which, which is, it's the la- it feels like the last connection Sweeney Todd has to his former self. Yes. Because how both, like the judge is now describing Joanna. Mm-hmm. And Sweeney Todd's like, I understand, describing Lucy Barker, his wife. Yes. And like sitting in the meadow, flower picking... It's like, yeah, definitely memories of Lucy currently talking about Joanna. And one of the things I like about it is sort of the, because again, Todd very much intends to murder the judge during the scene. Right then and there. Yeah. Um, but again, like throughout like the song, it's because they're both talking about him talking about Lucy and the judge talking about Joanna, like the two loves of their life um it's a very like happy sort of tune but juxtaposed with like the um i I don't know if ominous yeah yeah like the intent of the scene um which i I think is very interesting especially given like turpin turpin's complete obliviousness to what is going on and who this man is no he's a position he's a man in a position of power Things not going his way. And he's like, I have no idea why this isn't happening. Yeah, like, how could she not love me? I don't understand. Which is, you know, this is the theme of the movie, the times, and honestly, currently. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But one of the things I I do really like about this song is that the... And there are other duets similar to this throughout the movie, but this to me, this duet is just so well arranged because it truly does sort of follow the cadence of a conversation um but just like the oh yes the harmonies and the arrangement of the song is just so entrancing with the way that it's performed yeah and then anthony comes in it's really like oh the judge is keeping her hostage i don't know know what's going on i got a key maybe she'll love me and then the judge sees them like oh is this the company you keep yeah fuck everything Never coming back here again. Ruins all the plans. Sweeney Talent's like, get out. I never want to see you again. Pretty much. 
And then he's in such a depressive spit st- uh, state. Need to talk clearer, but alcohol. So then we get to the song Epiphany, which is fantastic because it definitely sets the tone. Sweet and Todd's like, you know what? Enough is enough. I understand the world now. And he's like, the like the world deserves to die. Like everyone deserves to die. The people, uh, what's the quote? There's people in his proper place and the others with the boot in his face. Yes. So it's like, they, everyone, even even you, Mrs. Lovett, and I deserve to die. Because the people in power, they're like, they're wicked. They're villainous. They need to die. But us, we need to die to be freed from that evil. Yeah. Like, like every single person that's locked into this sort of dance between the rich and the poor and those in power and those that are powerless. Like there is no, there is no escape from this. No. Yeah. Death is the escape to this. And this is what Sweeney Todd came to as a realization. And this is another great song where the orchestra isn't, it's like a exclamation point mm-hmm. to his sentences. Yes. It's like, Hey, Bam, you sir. Bam, bam. You know, yeah. What I'm talking about. I, I know what you're talking about. In and a there's poor definitely... way. I'm just in. That <laughs> was like bad, but like you get what I'm saying. There's definitely it makes a sense in my head. sort of like term or reference to that, but I don't know how exactly like what the word is for that. But we're not music. We leaders. know. We know. Yeah, we studied not... chemical engineering. I gave my doctorate in environmental engineering, not music. Indeed, so it's indeed. fine. And then, um... and then Mrs. Lovett was like, I love this. And she was like, okay, all good. I understand what you're doing. All right. But we got a body here. We got to deal like, with Like, we got to deal with this. There's a present situation that needs to be taken care of. I was like, I understand, like, the thesis you have on the current state of society in London at the time. Totally with you. But, <laughs> like, there's a dead body. Like, let's let's figure something out. Which I really like about her character throughout the entire movie is that she's, like, she How seems... can she be the voice of reason and also be inciting everything that happens? Exactly. Like, that's the odd thing is that she's the one who keeps him grounded, which just doesn't from really like, like Especially, like, from, like, weight... That song is just grounding him. It's like, you have urges, calm it down. Yeah, like, we have to deal with the actual situation and make sure that we don't get caught while yeah. you go on this murder's rampage that you so clearly want to do. But this leads to my favorite song of the movie, which I, like, the previous song is Epiphany. I would like mm-hmm. to say this song is Mrs. Lovett's Epiphany. Yeah. I think this is a, a great little song. priest. I also feel like this is probably one of the most iconic songs from the movie. Yes. I love this song. It's the most conversational song in the movie, I feel. And I think it's like yeah. when, for the first time, Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd are on the same page. And they're really like starting to like collaborate on this whole yeah. thing. Especially when she's like, she's like describing what's going on, and then she's like, good, you got it. Um, yeah. Yeah, finally on the same page. And it's basically, her plan is like, well, we got a good body. I can't get meat anymore for the meat pies. And this is solidifying the main themes of the movie. But it's basically, in modern terms, eat the rich. Yes. 
like there's all these people and like and you even notice with the exception of like maybe one or two all of the people that they point out it's like these are very well-to-do people that no, have... all of them are in I would this say time the... i would say except for the grocer did they mention the grocer at some point uh i guess they do yeah like to me he's he's still probably not doing like not great yeah but But anyway like the lyric the lyric this is such a punny song and the lyrics are it's man devouring man out there so who are we to deny it in here and like those above will serve those down below is such a double entendre because it's like hey like we're physically serving these people on a platter but it's also as like we're serving these people and the ideas of them that were like fighting against the aristocracy and the higher class that has been oppressing us the entire time we're serving them both as food and their memories yeah and then when, when we get to actually the part of um have a little priest um then again they don't commit sense of the flesh so it's pretty fresh I love that part. Oh, yeah. We can, like, just go through all the lyrics of the song. Let's not do that. Yeah. Because it's... it's, it's just I'd have had a song. separate page in my notes just for this song. Are you serious? <laughs> I... Raven, this is my favorite song of the musical. Oh, you already finished with that drink. Pathetic. Raven just finished the second? Third? Third. Third drink. I will catch up. But at this point, we're three drinks in. Um, so this song is great. And it's the first time they're actually like on a page on the same page in the scene where they're like waltzing in like the kitchen and Sweeney Todd has like a cleaver to her neck, but she has like a rolling pin to his neck. Yes. Is also, I think, symbolic of the reservations of one another, if that makes sense. Like, Sweeney Todd, and like, and we see this obviously later on, but Sweeney Todd's, like, has a, basically in the song's like, yeah, I trust you, but the knife is still at your neck. He's dangerous. Yeah. Like, he is, like, alpha blood. And sweet and Mrs. Lovett's, like, completely in her own world. And it was like, this yeah. is all I ever wanted from you. And it's like, you know, a rolling pin to his neck, like, baking, maternal. Um, unfortunately, so stereotypical wifely duties <laughs> you know yeah great song so then we go to the scene where joanna's packing up her stuff and then the judge walks in like barges in and joanna love her it's like a gentle gentleman knocks before entering a lady's room and he's like you know lady it's like sir you're not a gentleman Ye- Yes. And also, this is the woman you profess to love. The child you wrote. like you The raised. child you raised. After... I said roast. That's... <laughs> yes, I'm aware. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to child... ignore it, but it, it's... Nope. Continue. <laughs> the child you raised after raping her mother and throwing her father in jail um, undeservedly, and you have now raised her... And now you are, you claim to be in love with her, although this is not love, but you claim to be in love with her and spy on her through people that we don't know how long that's been there. No. Okay. So 
Um, then we see that the judge is going to send Joanna away. Yes. And then we get back to Sweeney Todd, who's trying to think... Who's more killing pra- people. Who's more practically... And, fun fact, he's an engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that whole up- That whole scene with the chair, that was beautiful. Yeah. And then we see, like, Anno... Different variations of Joanna and Pretty Woman, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like songs being played. And I don't know, there's like ambiguity to this. There's different perspectives people can have. But to me, it was like Sweeney Todd is saying goodbye to Joanna. Yeah, I as, can see that. As her father is like, you can never see me who I am. Yeah. Our relationship is done. I'm yeah, like the, the, trying I... to like save you. But, like, this is over. As yeah, opposed like, to Anthony, who's trying to find her. Yeah, it's like every single part of the man that I was when you quote-unquote knew me because she was a baby. Every single part of the man that I was is gone. Like, the last shred of who I was at that time is now gone and done. And there's no recovering it. Therefore, like, we can no longer have a relationship like there was a time because at the at the beginning i forget um which song it was in but there was a there was a song earlier in the movie where he was saying like i can't hug my girl to me like i can't be with my daughter and like it was like killing him but like at this point it's like now i can't do that because i'm no longer that person yeah like i'm no longer for i'm truly just sweetie todd i'm evil yeah i do not want to tarnish what i think of the child I once had. And I don't want to tarnish her view of me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, during, like, these scenes and stuff, we see the beggar woman singing City on Fire, saying, like, evil shit is, like, going on, and, like, she's the one that notices people going for a haircut, and they don't come back out. And they don't come back. And then we get to the song... God, that's good. So it's very like the progression of what Mrs. Uh, Lovett's pie shop has become. And like they have like actual meat. So, you know, higher class people are going there. Tobias is very, well, the same melody as uh, Pirelli's uh, Miracle Elixir. Really trying to sell the product that they're given. Yep. Um, and it's basically just like eat these meat pies and the mrs lovett's like counter melody to it loved it it was very catchy very like advertisement kind of song yeah and then basically it's like hey yeah everything's going great i was like oh you need something else like oh i'll get you that like you know really good hostess waitress kind of thing beggar woman's inside it's like get her out of here and, like, everything's going great. They're making a business, both um, barbershop and meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. Very related to one another, of course, as, you know, you see. And then it gets to a point where Mrs. Love, it's like, they're, like, in a field of sorts. They're outside of the city. And Mrs. Love, it's like, you know what? Do you know what I see for us? And we really see, like, her dreams and, like, what she wants of this relationship. Yeah. Which brings us to By the Sea. By the Sea. Which is 
so funny. I, I just like, was just incredulous. Like I, I just found it so funny. Like the entire scene, like he just does not want to be a part of this. It's so funny because like Mrs. Lovett's like, here's my dreams. And Miss, uh, Mr. Todd, Sweeney Todd is just not affectionate. Oh no, not at all. He's like, everything you say, sure, whatever. Like, I'm here, I'm a part of this. But he's so, like, disconnected. Uh, which which I think also makes sense for a scared. Like, he's so disconnected from everything around him and everything that she's doing. And I think a part of it, like, he's lost his real, like, physical ties to everything. With the exception of his desire for revenge against the judge. There's nothing else really holding him here. Like, he has already severed his ties to the man he once was. He has already accepted that he can't really build or begin a relationship with his daughter. So the only thing really still keeping him here is his desire to get his revenge with the judge. And so it's just like, it kind of really makes sense in the way like that's played out. Um, yeah, and she was like, judge, judge, judge. Do you think of anything else? Literally, no. This no, he does not. Why he came back. It's like, what, <laughs> is the only what delusion do you live in? Yeah. Yeah. And then, at, like, at the end of the song, she was like, leave, like, you're thinking about losing your head always. Leave her behind. She's gone. She's like, shoot your shot. She's like, shooting her shot. She was like, not what I dreamed, and I'm not what you remember, but this yes. is what we have, which I think is the most powerful statement in this musical. Yeah, like, like this is the here and now. This is what, regardless of what you want it to be or what I, I want have it in to your be. head, or what, yeah, or I want it to be like, this is the reality, this is what's happening here and now, and this is what you have to live with. And then we see uh, Anthony come back in. And he was like, oh, they're going to send Joanna. I, like, I have to say Joanna. And so Once again. they're setting up a trap for the judge. And Sweeney Todd's like, oh, she's going to asylum. That's when like a lot of barbers like get their like wigs from from like these mm-hmm. women. So I'll say you're like an apprentice wig maker and they'll let you in and you can take her. And you can keep her here, and then you can go on your merry way. At the same time, writing a letter to the judge who was like, "Hey, Aunt, like this is the plan to get you in my good graces, so I'm in your good graces. Come here, we'll figure this out. I'll help you out just to lure the judge there." Yeah. So, so he, that gets... he can get his revenge. Exactly. So like a pretty good trap, and then Toby is super scared of Sweeney Todd. He's like, oh, oh can yeah. I make a trip on the way back? He was like, no, you can only do this one task. Because he's like, he's also started to like catch on about like, hey, this dude's not so great. Which leads to the song, Not While I'm Around. Yes. Which, uh, this is the most disappointing part of the movie. Because like what Mrs. Lovett wants in life, it, like she had... And Tobias was ready to, like, I will do anything for you. Yes. I'm the only person in your life that, like, really cares about you as a person. There's really, like, scary things happening. But I will protect you. You will be safe as long as I'm around. 
And she was like, no, Mr. Todd has us. And it was like, he's a serial killer. I can <laughs> obviously see that. You're not Why safe around you? him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why can't you? Um, it's very, it's like, Todd is no good for you. Like, you saved me. I love you. She calls, he calls him, I don't know if it's like mom or ma'am, but it sounds like mom. So he's mm-hmm. like actually seeing her as a mother figure. And you can tell the struggle Mrs. Lovett is having in this scene. Yes, because she's like, obviously like she also wants to be the mother figure for him. Like she also loves him, also has a son. But at the same time, like she loves Mr. Todd. And she's kind of the one who got this whole business thing going. And so, she, of course, she knows his nature, but she can't reveal that to Tobias because that would then put him in danger. And so she's like, who do I side with? Like, do I go with the man I love or do I go with the child I want? And she chose wrong. <laughs> she chose so wrong. Yeah. And so it's... Uh, and then she was like, you know what, you shut like, I'll give you more opportunity to help me out in the shop. So she, like, takes him to tour the, mm-hmm. um... The big house. The meat managing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Which she... honestly, lo- the second she said that and was, like, leading him downstairs, I thought she was going to kill him right then and there. Oh, yeah, because you've never seen this before. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, so she locks him in there. He doesn't understand that he's locked in there. Nope. And she, he was like, can I have a meat pie? And she was like, as many as you like. And it was very like, oh, what's the book? Uh, of Mice and Men? Of Mice and Men. That's exactly it. The I get fact no details. I immediately knew uh, what you were talking about. I am so happy. It's like, look at all, like, think of all the rabbits, Lenny. Um, it, it's exactly that. And, yes. Uh, I am so happy. Uh, Raven. <laughs> Amazing. This is that's, why we're here together doing a podcast. Because... That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Woo! So, it was very of mice and men. Um, yet he doesn't die just yet. No. Yeah. And then we see that she was like, you know what? Take this money. Like go buy yourself something nice, kind of deal, and then she's yeah. and then he sees Senor Pirelli's like coin purse, and it's like during that scene when she was saying it's like not while I'm around. It's very mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the right right word for it, but like the violin and the strings during that part of the movie is very demented. Yes. I think that's the right word. Because it was very... I think it it fits. Yeah. Because it's very... It's like, oh, not while I'm around. And then when she's like, oh, here's actual evidence guarding herself. It's very delusional. And it's emphasized by the instruments being played in the background. So then he sees the um, coin purse of Signor Pirelli. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like, hey... That's his. I know it is. And he, yeah. And she was, like, distracting him and stuff. But, like, he knows it, it is, like, all along. Which goes into, like, the next scene where uh, Anthony is at the asylum. It's like, this is the girl I want. 
And then it's like, oh, how much? And he pulls the gun on the dude. It was like, hey, I'm just going to take her. Good luck with all the other women women here. Yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. It's like, you're obviously abusing. It's like the aristocracy. It's like, oh, they're not into me. Aristocracy. Thank you. Um, is putting these people in these confined spaces because like, oh, you don't agree with me. But now all these people collectively are given the opportunity to, you know, fight for themselves. And, and it capitalizes the on them. Yeah, it's the whole concept of, like, the power of the masses. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in reality, those at the bottom all have always and always will outnumber those at the top. And it's 100%. really just a semblance of authority and power um, and, like, potency over them. That started at the bottom and now we're here indeed but like indeed. literally i'm mean, like not as a joke but like that's what the jailer deserved oh yes and 100%. so he's dead and so anthony and joanna leave he brings joanna to uh the barber shop and was like just stay here for 30 minutes i will take care of literally everything else you just have to like stay here yeah and this is, like, right after. So she was, like, okay, there. And then she hides in the chest. And then the judge finally comes there. And is, like, oh, I got your note about Joanna. Thank you for telling me. You're a true friend. What are we going to do? And Sweeney Todd's, like, oh, I actually talked to her. She's downstairs. She agrees, like, she wants to be with you. Mm-hmm. Let's clean you up. Before you see her again. Yeah, we need to get you, like, looking nice to be presented to her. And be like, hell yeah, dude. Murder that motherfucker. (laughs) Which also, biggest blood spurt in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, musicality-wise, this, like, section's, like, kind of titled as Final Scene. But literally... So many different pieces from this musical are referenced and are shown through this last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Not When I'm Around uh, is what Miss um, Lovett says while they're looking for Toby after they kill the judge. Then the beggar woman sings the Beatles song. Yeah. Which is... I haven't seen a musical that conveys so much of a deteriorating like self of being but effort towards justice kind of thing as yeah when lucy the beggar woman who is lucy mm-hmm. that raven spoiled um what <laughs> it's been seen- 41 years <laughs> Is saying, it's like, oh, where's the Beatles? Like, Beetle, 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 bum, bum, da, 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 you know? Yeah. And then through the last 10 minutes of the song, it's just like, not allusions, but like direct references to the established songs beforehand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, Pretty Woman is like what they're singing while the judge is there. It's like, oh, I'll get you ready for your young ward who really came to her senses. But, like, he just kills him. And then My Friends is, like, the melody that's playing 
while he's telling his razors, like, you can sleep now. Because, like, you did your final job. Our work is done. And then there's a whole poor thing once Sweeney Todd realized the beggar woman came up there and just killed her. And realized, like, oh, no, that was my ex-wife. Yes. So it's a poor thing and my friends playing at the same time, which was amazing. Because it was, was kind of like... and Sweeney Todd. Yeah, and it was like the clash of his... Um, Current state? The clash of his psyche, because, yeah. again, like, he had let go of that part of himself. He understood, like, this is no longer who I am. That part of me is completely dead. But now the reality of it, the reality of his past is coming back physically to confront him. Yeah. And he's Thank having God to... in these scenes, he was like, he found Joanna in the chest and was like, yeah, young man. Oh, we'll yeah. Do, like, I'll kill you, basically. And then, like, stuff happens. And he's like, forget my face. Like, he never knew that was Joanna. Ever. At Ever. any point. But it is still worth mentioning that he the whole um, Pretty Women, Joanna reprise, that he was like, goodbye to Joanna, she'll never know the man I was. Mm-hmm. That she still never knew the man he was. Like, she yeah. saw this stranger being a terrible person. Just murdering killer. people, yeah. You're just straight up killing people. But it wasn't like that she knew it was like, oh, this is my father, this is my history. Yeah. It was always, you don't know who I am. Yeah. And then she leaves, and um, another reprise, um, when he finally finds out that the beggar woman was Lucy, and that Mrs. Lovett, quote-unquote, lied to him, which she didn't. She didn't, tech, like, technically speaking, technically she did not lie to him, yeah. but in intent, she, she deceived him, she did not lie to him. Yeah, totally deceived him. Yes. And then he was like, so there's the contrast between poor thing versus my friends. So it's mm -hmm. like poor thing before, it was like poor thing for these other people in life. But singing the same melody, it was poor thing for Mrs. Lovett. She's applying to herself, which I thought was really interesting. Yes. As opposed to, and then like my friends... He was like, oh, this is what's, like, really been honest to me, truthfully to me. This is what's go going on. And then it comes to a point. The only song, the only piece in the musical where they're on the same page is A Little Priest. And that um, melody composition comes back when Sweeney Todd's like, you know what? Everything's fine. Let's work this out. Like, I understand. Yep. So it's that kind of um, convincing manipulation. Distracting. That we've seen before. The only time they've been on, like, honestly, the same page. That kind of musicality comes back when he's trying to deceive her. That we're like, you know what? Like, I understand. Like, she's not the same person that she was before. Like, my wife, Lucy. Yeah. And you were looking out for me. 
However, how did I never ever notice you before, Mrs. Lovett? Uh, so they're dancing and stuff, and it's very positioned to throw her into the fire to the kill. It was very obvious, like to the, the second the second he started dancing with her, it was it was so obvious. Like, oh yes, like he's throwing her into the fire. But I, I love the fact that they used each of those reprisals because because they did such a good job with the orchestrations previously in the movie like again where every song and every theme and every style of music had a specific character and specific meaning and a specific intent and And it all came up in this past 15 minutes of the movie it all came back and with every single uh, with every single bar and every single shift in the music, you understood, like, this is the thing that is happening. Yeah. And all of it came back to show the manipulations of each character and how the story was concluding itself. And yeah. I truly, I really loved that. And then we get to a point where Sweeney Todd's, like, kills Mrs. Lovett. And then he's with... With there with uh, Lucy, with his wife, and he kills himself. He slits his own throat. And, uh... Wait, Because there's... Yeah. Because after he throws him... Throws Mrs. Love in the fire, he he kills himself. himself. Yeah, he does. He slits his own throat. No, Toby slits his throat. Toby has the razor. Toby... No, no, it's... Sweeney Todd literally slits his throat. He, Sweeney Todd's literally bleeding over Lucy Barker. But I thought Toby had the razor. What? I'm so confused now. Did you watch the same movie? Because they, they showed, they kept cutting between Toby and Sweeney Todd. Yeah. And they showed Toby had, like, that Toby had the razor in his hand. And they showed Todd's throat being slit. And they showed Toby's face with, like, the now I have to go back and watch this. Cause I swear. I thought it was Sweeney Todd killed himself. He was like, you know what? This is it. I killed my wife. Everything else is done. I got my revenge. We're here together, dying together. I so I let's him. let's go back. Let's both go back and rewatch the last scene. I would believe. I, I believe you. Let's talk about from both instances. If Toby killed him, it was like I will. Um. It, like, goes back to the songs, like, I will always protect you. Yes. As long as I'm around. And Sweeney Todd's, like, the mission's accomplished. You were, like, actually one of the true villains. villains so, I'm gonna kill you. And then and going my back job's to his whole... So let's end it. Yeah, going back to his whole, like, everyone deserves to die. No one is a good person. People are filthy. Yeah, everything deserves to die. It's the people oppressing people deserve to die, obviously. And the people yeah. that are being oppressed being deserve oppressed. to die to be freed from that injustice. And this is the only way. I, like, I am no longer... At this point, like, I am a shell of a man. Because I am no longer Benjamin Barker. Yeah, I have let go of my entire past taught, life. Okay, Raven. This entire time, that is the most accurate portrayal. Sweeney Todd, as a character, is a shell of a man. Yes, Good job. You're welcome. You were correct, Campbell. I did I did describe that correctly. I love you. <laughs> I know. Um, and now, like, even if he he has no desire to to continue to live, he doesn't think he should, but even if he wanted to, what would he do? Yeah. Who would he be? 
you know, like he should die. So I, I think, Which I think he either does. ending, I think either ending really makes sense. Yeah. Whether he killed himself or whether Tobias killed him. So and Anthony honestly, with the, and with Joanna the cinematography, it's really just a matter of interpretation. Leave together. Yes. That's the conclusion. So Anthony Hope leaves with Joanna. Which I like because it's kind of like the beginning of a new version of Benjamin Barker's story. You know, like the beautiful girl, but without the judge, like without like all of that is in their past now. And they presumably have the room and the opportunity to actually just be happy. Yeah. And go off and be together the way Benjamin Barker deserved to have with Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of the movie. (sighs) New drink. New drink. We're on our fifth drink now. So at the end of the movie, did you like it? I literally loved it. Like, So it would have been better for you to watch it with me originally than try to hook up with one of my roommates. Okay, okay. You didn't need to bring that back up because I'm sure anyone who would have been listening to this had forgotten. You're probably going to cut it out. It's fine. But yes... You are correct. I should have watched it with you because it's an amazing movie. Say, Campbell, you were right. You made me do this last episode. I'm not doing it again. Do it again. Because I'm. Because it's not doing it again because, like, I was actually right. Uh, like, because it's like me making you do something. But truthfully, I was right. And you should acknowledge that. You were right. I know. I hate you so much. Anyway, um, so as we normally do, talk about like the composer, the lyricist, and just like um, the musical production of the film. So, of course, Sweeney Todd, The Dear Barbara Fleet Street, um, is is based on a the original musical by Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler, um, which is also based on something else. Not entirely sure. Um, but so I did a little bit of research into um, some of the composition and orchestration of both the film and the original play. So Stephen Sondheim himself is, of course, amazing in the world of musical theater, composition and lyricism. Um, and he was extensively consulted during the production of this film for good reason, because he wrote the original songs and um, score songs and score of the musical um so steven sondheim himself for anyone that doesn't know is a composer and lyricist that's mostly known for his work in musical theater to get into all the works he has done would be far too long but he is a few things he's known for obviously sweeney todd also west side story into the woods and a funny thing that happened on the way to the forum he actually was Stephen Sondheim was also mentored by Oscar Hammerstein, um, another, oh. yeah, another yeah. great yeah. musical Say no more, composer. fam. <laughs> yes. Um, who actually, like, he, he was more than just a mentor to him. He was really, like, a father figure to him because he kind of was introduced to him around the time that uh, his parents got divorced. And so Hammerstein became this whole, like, father, father figure and teacher for him and really taught him pretty much everything he knew about musical theater, composition, playwriting, like all of that stuff. Um, 
and he he talked about how a lot how he wanted to pay that forward to other composers and uh, playwrights and yeah among some other uh, playwrights he actually worked with Lin Manuel Miranda when he was developing Hamilton and gave him like a lot, a lot of notes and and feedback on everything and I think that's just like so interesting about how he developed that relationship with other composers uh, based on how he was mentored and how he was taught and the, the yeah. way he was introduced to everything um, and of course Stephen Sondheim has an insane number of awards for all of the works I think he's won best original score like a, a Tony for best original score at least six different times okay so now getting into Jonathan Tunick Jonathan Tunick actually has egotted. He has an Emmy, oh, a what? Grammy, I an Oscar, and a Tony. He's yes. So, he's uh, Whoopi Goldberg, John Legend. Indeed fame. he is. Yes. Which, um, like, so, okay, aside from all this going on, Whoopi Goldberg, Sister Act is a perfect movie. <laughs> anyway, continue. EGOT. What an accomplishment. Tracy Jordan, 30 Rock. Or is there a 30 Rock reference in a row? Actually, when I read that, when I was researching John the Tunic, that was my first thought. Um, because, like, Whoopi Goldberg was, like, in that episode when... For that exact reason, yes. Which she Trish is Jordan's like, I want to get an EGOT. And he was trying to steal some stuff from her. And she was like, oh boy, you playing. <laughs> um, so, Jonathan Tunic is... He's an orchestrator, musical director, and composer. Um, has also worked extensively with Sondheim. So outside of even just Sweeney Todd, um, he's worked with Sondheim on at least eight of uh, Sondheim's major works, um, possibly a few others as well. But Jonathan Tunick is an incredibly accomplished orchestrator. So he has worked on over 70 stage works and another 36 film works. Um, he also, I found this really interesting. So he has actually orchestrated five different versions of Sweeney Todd. He orchestrated um, the original version by Stephen Sondheim. And then he also orchestrated the 1993 and 2012 stage productions of, of Sweeney Todd, the 1982 TV production, of Sweeney Todd, and then of course the 2007 Tim Burton film. So pretty much every time Sweeney Todd has been produced, um, like professionally produced, Jonathan Tunick has been the orchestrator. And so I think it's interesting um, in the 2007 Tim Burton film, I think it's interesting how the music and the score is performed in the Tim Burton film because it's 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 kind of like the culmination of his his evolution development um, with his work on Sweeney Todd with the orchestration of the film because it again like with how the orchestra and the movie kind of um, emphasize a lot of the points and a lot of the dramatic actions in the film I think that simple addition to it um, really kind of altered the feel of the movie. Oh, and so I think, just, I think just like little things like that and how Jonathan Tunick has been able to kind of develop the way the story is told through the music um, 
throughout the production of or throughout the throughout the evolution of the Sweeney Todd productions. I think it's been really cool. So that was all I had on, on that. Yeah. So now Raven so and now. I will depart and attempt to play and um you know exhibit the feel of the movie and the musical from a little priest specifically it almost surely fail it will fail but we'll be right back and you'll see how we feel about it i think that sounded pretty good that wasn't too bad because it would honestly be way better if we were like sitting next to each other yes but I actually think it wasn't it wasn't that bad mostly because I think you were the main one playing and all of my notes were really just whole notes so I kind of just have to go with the flow of whatever you're doing alright let's play 23 to 29 23 to 29? yeah alright Okay, so one, two, three, four. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) That was not. It wasn't. It was not good. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I am not. Do you want to just move on to like when you have the melody? Okay, but I technically start... Yeah, okay. Because I would say that part with the B major, that's... I'm not going to be able to play that. Just because, like, my brain physically can't keep track of that many How about I measure 41? Yes, let's do that. Let's do measure 41. Because then I'm in the simple measure of E flat, and I can do that. Yeah, I'm in D major, so I'm good. Like, why, why does a key even exist... With six sharps. There are only eight notes in an octave. And six of them are sharp? What? Who thought of that? Whose idea was that? I just don't understand. Yeah, let's start measure 41. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. One, two, three, two, two, three. And then you ended at 57? Yep. Okay. I ended on the first beat of 57. Okay, 57 is like the part where we should be together. <laughs> yes. Despite alcohol. Everything. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So let's start at 57. So you're going to be the pickup. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to go one, two, three, two, two. And on the second three, you play that E flat. Yes, I'm aware how pickups work. I'm just making sure because we've been drinking. Sir, it feels like you are coming. Let me be the composer. Let me be. It feels like you are coming for my musical ability. Let me be the drum major. First of all, I'm orchestra. We don't have drum majors, so. (laughs) It's what I say to that. Okay. Okay, so 
I'm gonna go one, two, three, two, two. Bump, bump. Okay. Yep. I measure fifty-seven. One, two, three, two, two. Is this a fun arrangement? Beautiful. So is that enough of us playing? I think so. I feel like what we just played... So, the difference is one of us was Mrs. Lovett and one of us was Queen Todd. I feel Mrs. Lovett was more woodwind. Because it was more... Uh, woodwinds have more of a whole sound to it. Yeah. I think there's a naivete to like how it sounds as opposed to Sweeney Todd that's more refined. Interesting. Dis- despite being like, you know, in a bad place. Interesting. I agree before different reasons. So I would have described it as like, to me, from the opposite point, like string instruments, um, to me, like string instruments have a slightly more like strained sound to them um, than uh, some like well played woodwinds do, and um, I feel like uh, I think, I think Sweeney Todd reason, is strained. Mrs. Lovett is not. Yes. So I I think like I agree with you. Yes, but from the opposite standpoint. So that was us playing a little priest from Sweeney Todd, and I think it went pretty okay. It actually wasn't that bad, despite. The, the part was very difficult with all the eighth notes and everything. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of completely skipped over the part where I had the uh, B major key signature because I was like, just there was no way I was going to play that. That's too many yeah. sharps for yeah. me in my drunken state. It's my brain is not capable of comprehending that. So, but besides that, besides those few bars, like I think it went pretty well, actually. So in conclusion, what did you think of the musical? Was I correct? Ah, yes, you are correct. Sweeney Todd is amazing. It honestly, I mean, like many other Tim Burton works, Sweeney Todd is just truly beautiful. It's a fantastic adaptation of Stephen Sondheim's musical, um, mostly because he consulted Stephen Sondheim on it and really like made every effort to make it a, a great adaptation, which it was. But honestly, it's the work in and of itself and then the Tim Burton film alone all of them are just amazing works and Which, everyone should see them because of that and that you agree I think we should end this podcast with uh, we each saying three things that we appreciate the other person you may start is this going to be in the final edit? yes oh I don't like that what are three things you appreciate about me Raven? go for it uh, okay, so um, just go for it. Okay, so one thing that I appreciate about you, Campbell, is that you are very like critical, but in in a in a deep analytical way. Like you're very good at kind of analyzing something and breaking it down to its deeper meaning um, and drawing out ideas and thoughts that a lot of times I didn't even consider. Thank you. Two more. Another good thing. 
Okay, so another thing is that you are actually incredibly talented. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have such a varied amount of experience in different fields that the sort of like depth and understanding that you're able to bring to your analysis. Um, so one, you're very critical and you're very analytical, but the depth of understanding that you're able to bring to your analysis is obviously bolstered by the technical ability and the talent that you have in the artistic field. Because um, it goes beyond just music, like you are just artistically talented in general. Um, and I think that your ability to bring that understanding and bring that artistic talent to your analysis um, is something that really makes you very special and um, kind of makes you stand out a lot from many other people that I know. And one more? One more. I think one more would be like, honestly, okay, so one of the things I appreciate most about you as a human being is that you're kind of just truly a good person. Like, in the way you present yourself and stuff, like, we're both very sarcastic people and we're both very um, humorous and like humorous people where we just kind of like go about our lives and like make jokes and like all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, you are honestly just a good person and like you never seek to like truly just hurt someone, which to me is a very big thing in people that I associate with and people that I care about is that like the main like among other things like there's so many other things like I don't like in a person but I will tolerate but the one thing that like I generally refuse to tolerate in a person is just basic unkindness like just being a mean person for no other reason than to be mean and I think one of the things I like about you most is that like that's not you like sometimes like yeah like all obviously all of us have our moments where we're not nice or we're not whatever but I think at your core you are a very good person and you generally like care about people and want to be nice like want to be a kind person and I think I really like that about you. Thank you Raven. You're welcome. Now say three nice things about me. I'm good so thank you for listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> this is the ploy and thank you for listening to this week and I hope you listen to us next week. Thank you. Have a good night. Ba -ba -da, that was ba -da -ba -da. so rude. <laughs> and this is where we fade out. I think that'd be so fun.